0: titan-sized podcast i'm luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of the titan-sized podcast batia Wadner and will lomas in this episode we will be joined by titans receiver taewon taylor he's going to come on in a little bit talk about uh the titans coaching situation and the search um and i think we are the first uh media outlet to have an interview with a titans player since the malarkey firing right
1: yeah, no one, no. Uh, I haven't seen any reports out there on the internet uh, of Titans players even mentioning Malarkey's name, so they've been pretty quiet about it. Um, well, we won't surmise why that is, uh, but Taiwan, uh, Taiwan definitely talked a little bit about it, and it was it, it was cool. Yes, we w-
0: we will be breaking the silence today. Uh, so that is coming on a little later in this show. That interview is going to be brought to you by panini because tabon taylor right now is in california at the nfl pa bowl i know that alvin Kamara is down there and there are a bunch of other uh players going into their second season down at this game uh so he's down there he's doing some work with panini he's going to sign the remainder of his rookie cards that are going to be inserted into uh the remainder of uh, panini's packs that go out for the rest of the year and if you want to uh Try to get your hands on one of those. You can go to store.paniniamerica.net. That's store.paniniamerica.net. Uh, so we're very thankful for Panini for giving us the time with Taiwan. But before that, let's hop into uh, full speed ahead this coaching search. Because the Titans have been making their interviews public, confirming it through their PR teams, that they have already interviewed uh, Houston Texans defensive coordinator, Matt Vrabel or Mike Vrabel?
1: Mike. Mike,
0: Mike, Vrabel. Mike Vrabel. Matt LaFleur. Super off-
1: Bowl legend, Mike Vrabel. Super,
0: yes. Uh, Matt LaFleur, offensive <laughs> coordinator of the Los Angeles Rams, and Steve Wilks, defensive coordinator of the recent NFC champion Carolina Panthers. Um, so let's talk about those three guys. Let's start with Vrabel. And I don't know why I've said this to you guys. I just don't get a great vibe from him. It has nothing really to do with him. I'm just not a huge fan of these young coaches who were so recently players in the NFL. Like Mike Malarkey is different. He wasn't ever that good a player. He played so long ago it didn't really matter. He's that good a coach. What just happened?
1: I don't know. Paper?
0: It sounded like someone took paper and just crumbled it up in front of their mic.
1: So well let off a hot take in the middle of that, by the way. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what did you say?
2: <laughs> I said, you said he was never a great, pl- Malarkey was never a great player. And I said, he was never a great coach either. <laughs>
0: um, but Malarkey was never a great player. So that's different with him and Vrabel. Um, but also I just don't like the way that the Texans run that organization. I think that their owner doesn't make good decisions. I still, I guess, haven't forgiven them for moving on from Gary Kubiak. Um, I, I don't like Bill O'Brien. I don't like any of the principles he stands for. I think he is Chuck Pagano with J.J. Watt, and I don't want anyone from his coaching tree.
1: Yeah, I don't know if it's because he was a Patriot for so long and I hated the Patriots for so long, um, but just something something about him kind of bugs me. I don't know if it's his his face or just his, his demeanor in general, um, <laughs> but outside, outside of that... Um, I don't know if it'd be if he'd be that great of a hire. I know John Robinson's looking for a specific type of person, specific type of leader. Um, but what has Mike Rabel done um from a coaching experience perspective? Um, how, how long to has make he been there?
0: how long has he been in Houston? And is that his first job?
1: He he was started in Houston in twenty fourteen. For three years he was the linebackers coach. And I guess he Became replaced Romeo Cornell. Yeah, Yeah. I I don't even know who their defensive coordinator was before 2017. But, I mean, just look at how long he's been coaching. He just started coaching in 2011 uh, with Ohio State. He was the linebackers coach, then the D-line coach for two years. So, I don't know. There just seems a lot of unknowns in terms of how effective of a coach he can even be. So, I would be reluctant to to make him the head it's like when we look at
0: a draft prospect that's only played for a year and we, we say there's just not that much film on this guy and it's not really his fault but it's a negative when you look at the draft report it's kind of the same thing with rabel mm-hmm. there's just not that much on him
1: yeah yeah and i mean you can say the same like yeah. about mcbay but M- McVeigh at least had um, some, some merits to his credit uh, with Kirk Cousins and the Washington offense. I don't think you could say that about Brabel at all.
2: Yeah, okay. Real quick, uh, we're kind of pretty negative on him. I actually don't mind Rabel, Um and I'll tell you why. I think he could build a good staff under him, which I think is something that Robinson's really looking hard at. Plus, I think he kind of understands the Patriot way and – You know, we all talk about the connection to McDaniels, and you know this, that, and other. But every time somebody's interviewed about Vrabel, they say that he and John Robinson would gel, that their personalities would get along real well. You know, if if I'm looking at Vrabel and I'm looking at guys he's connected to, um, Sean Ryan is there is the uh, Texans' uh, quarterback coach now. He was the wide receiver coach when uh, Odell Beckham came in the league, and he was with the Giants. Then last year, he was the Texans' wide receiver coach when, you know, they found stuff. They found out how to get stuff out of who was it? Uh, not Ellington. Who was that wide receiver they brought? Uh, they like just who is picked this? up off the uh, the Texans. Uh, Braxton you No, know, no, no, no. It doesn't matter. Um, the the point is, is that you know. He's, if he's been a wide receiver coach in the past and he's a quarterback coach now and helped develop what they did with Watson last year, if you could bring him over as an offensive coordinator, which nobody wants because everybody wants one of the big names at offensive coordinator, but if you could bring a guy over who somehow made Deshaun Watson work and who got uh, Nuke Hopkins and Will Fuller and coached them up to the way they're supposed to be, you know. I'm okay with that. You know, that's that's who I think Corey Davis and Taywan Taylor can be. I think Corey Davis can be a little bit faster than Nuke. But um you know, I want somebody I want the next offensive coordinator, and you'll find this out the more we talk about this process. I want somebody with wide receiver co- coaching experience who's not seventy-five years old. I want somebody who I can trust to develop. The, you know, the Titans spent a first round pick and a third round pick in wide receiver last year. And they've got Rashard Matthews and Tajay Sharp on the team. They've got assets if they'll just invest time and resources into developing them. But if you go buy the finest groceries and let me cook them, it'll turn into garbage. You you know, they need somebody who knows what they're doing.
0: But, I don't know, I just don't like the Texans franchise. And it has nothing to do with the fact that I'm admittedly a Titans homer.
1: Sure. I just I don't, don't like, like
0: the, rich- the way they run their franchise. They make weird, don't bad decisions.
2: Consider. Dan Schneider was one of the worst general managers. Th- for they forever. had to fire
0: their general manager because he couldn't get along with the head coach. Am I supposed to believe that it was all his fault?
2: I mean, didn't the uh, I don't know how much I, uh, I should say. Didn't the uh, Redskins <laughs> have to fire their general manager for uh, off of the field issues? Yeah, this- look where look yes. where the
0: Redskins are right now.
2: Yeah, but the, but just a year ago they had the hottest coaching prospect in the NFL. So you can't judge a you know a position coach or a coordinator by you know what's around him necessarily. You know, I, I don't know. I just I'm not. I, I know we're pretty negative on him, and I'll be the first person to say that I think that, that defense was a little overrated when when Watt was there. But you know, I think he puts Clowney in a good position because I don't think Clowney's very good. I think he's done a great (laughs) job with Merciless developing him. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It it all goes down uh, to kind of what you think about their defense, and I I don't know. It's it's a weird stance for me to be defending the Texans, so it kind of hurts for me to say (laughs) I can't really put all my effort into it. I like Rehubel as a person, and I like his background. So, you know, I don't know.
1: It's kind of... I, I, I think a lot of it comes down to what exactly you want from a head coach in terms of who you prefer. Um, do you want a guy who's had success uh, on on a specific side of the ball, and maybe isn't a leader of men per se, or do you want someone who's a good character guy and can change a culture or continue a culture and hasn't really had the experience or the success on either side of the ball? So it's kind of it's kind of per- weird.
0: Okay, personally. I think this idea that your head coach needs to be a leader is completely bogus, right? It kind of (laughs) worked with Mike Malarkey. Like, he came in. He changed the culture. But in reality, whoever this next coach is, he's going to come in to Brian Arakpo and Delaney Walker and Jarrell Casey and Marcus Mariota, all of these veteran guys that are voices in the locker room, Taylor Lawan, someone I forgot to mention, He's gonna come into that. The culture is already there. You don't need someone to come in and be raw, raw and rally these guys because they don't need to be mm-hmm. rallied. They know that they can win a Super Bowl this year if they're coached the right way, and I think honestly, they see Mike Mularkey get fired. If they see an in inco- a schematically incompetent head coach come in but be like a really good leader, they're going to think John Robinson has no idea what he's doing because Mike Malarkey arguably was schematically incompetent, but this rah-rah culture guy that everyone loved. And so, frankly, I think the players probably want a LaFleur or a McDaniels or even on the defensive side, someone like a Steve Wilkes who's just had so much success historically with their units as opposed to some guy that, yeah, has only done it for a couple years, but he's a good leader. Like I just think that's kind of bogus. The culture is already there. You're not needing someone to build a culture. You're needing someone to build an offense.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's pretty fair. Um, and speaking of Steve Wilks, uh, going to segue here. Yes, uh, right I wrote ahead. an article about I wrote an article about him today um, and outlined a little bit why I think as of right now, because the, the Titans have really only interviewed three three uh, candidates and have really only been linked uh, specifically to three candidates um, from their own perspective. At least um, I think Wilkes might be the best candidate out, out. Now he is the same type of guy that Mike Frabel um Portends to be or people uh, imagine him to be uh, he's an iron fist type of type of leader uh, He demands a lot of his players and, and and is a pretty hard-nosed kind of guy Which is exactly what John Robinson seems to be looking for and on top of that He has a ton of experience and a lot of success uh, Coaching on the defensive side of the ball um, a lot of people don't want a defensive a defensive minded coach But I don't I don't see why not a lot of the best head coaches in the league Um, Came from defensive backgrounds, uh, and Wilkes has coached everywhere. He's coached defensive backs for like 16 seasons, has defensive coordinating experience, has assistant head coach experience, even has some head coaching experience back in 1999 with Savannah State. And on top of all of that, something I, I outlined in my article, today the offensive co- coordinator that Wilkes wants to bring in to run his offense uh, is Philadelphia Eagles quarterbacks coach John DeFilippo who a lot of people want to actually just be the head coach um, because he's a really smart guy really detail-oriented really knows what he's talking about and seems like he could really tailor a scheme um, for Marcus Mariota or for any quarterback really so um, right now I-, I think Wilkes and would be the best hire especially if he, if he could bring in De- definitely
2: okay so I don't disagree with you because I think he's done a really do. good job with that defense. Uh, well okay hold on um I think he's <laughs> done a really good job with that defense I love the four three he runs I like how he kind of uh you know he's gotten a lot out of uh KK short and low to and all that I like that my problem is is this is this these are the investments that they've put in defense that have allowed him to be so good. Julius Peppers, free agent signing, but he's Julius Peppers. We all know that. Low to Lele, first-round pick. K-1 Short, second-round pick. Vernon Butler, first-round pick. Shaq Thompson, first-round pick. Who's Vernon Keely, Butler? First uh, he's mm-hmm. the, the tackle from
1: uh, – Louisiana Tech, I think.
2: Yeah, Louisiana Tech. Um, then uh, – James Bradbury, second-round pick. Thomas Davis, first-round pick. There's just a Hmm. ton invested in that front seven and, you know, kind of on the outside. It's just – it's, you know, it's hard for me to stand on a table, you know, and say this is the guy when John Robinson talks about getting the most out of your talent when that group isn't considered a top-five unit after they've invested, you know, the, uh, millions and millions in free agency, and then about six or seven first round picks, you know, it, it, first and second round picks. It's just, it, and it's not that they're underperforming. I don't, I don't want to say that, but it's not, they're not the Seahawks, which is what you'd expect when, you know, I told you that those are the, you know, rounds they spent on those guys. So that that's the only part that kind of concerns me. The Filippo part's very intriguing, and I, I do like that, but I wonder if you can't get that from a Jim Schwartz if he came over and, and then. You know, I think he's doing a little bit more with a little less.
0: You That's know, fair. we we've talked about our ideal scenario being Jim Jim Schwartz comes over with D'Filippo as the offensive coordinator. But if you bring D'Filippo over as an offensive coordinator, he's gone in a year or two to a head coaching job if Mariota has any sort of success under him, and then you're kind of screwed and you become the Atlanta Falcons with. Alabama's offensive coordinator for one game is your offensive coordinator. That's why my preference is bringing the offense coach. Not because I'm like, well, this franchise is going to die if no one develops Mariota. Mariota's developed. He's in his fourth year. He just needs an offense that's not so cluttered. My, But if, if you want to bring in this offensive mm. genius, it's my opinion that you have to do it as a head coach because you're going to lose him if you don't.
1: Are we sure he's just going to be gone after one one season? I mean, he's a quarterbacks coach right Shanahan now.
0: Shanahan was in Atlanta for two seasons. Um, how how long was uh? I mean, I, I think uh, McVay is too young to
3: test I think that
0: principle. We could say we could say Lafleur is a good kind of example for that.
1: Where mm. where yeah yeah. <clears throat> I would, I would say DeFilippo, if we can get him for two years and hire a good QB coach or wide receivers coach that can take over uh, as offensive coordinator in a couple years, then that's perfectly fine with me.
0: But before we go a little bit more in depth about LaFleur, I want to hit this kind of idea of age with a head coach, because we saw Sean McVay come in at 31 and have success. And the Titans were kind of on the other end of that spectrum. They had... I've heard someone call him the geriatric coaching staff with Dick LeBeau and Terry Robisky and Malarby, <laughs> all older guys. That's not me saying that. That's someone else. That's just a quote I heard. But, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think when it comes to this head coach age, you want someone that's young and innovative and is going to gel well with the players, but at the same time, you don't want to be a buddy. Like, when you see these kids running around in Walmart screaming and throwing stuff off the shelves, it's because their parent is too much of a buddy and doesn't know how to say shut up and get back in the shopping cart. But at the same time, you don't want this leader guy that doesn't know what he's doing and just yells for no reason. So I think the difference between a McVay and a McDaniels, both hired as 31, 32-year-old head coaches, is you don't necessarily need an aged person but you don't want a child and Josh McDaniels was a child I don't want the Titans to bring someone in here that's going to be getting in fights with John Robinson and players are going to be in the media talking about him and you know I I don't want that I I want young and innovative I don't want young and childlike
1: I don't I don't think any of the the coaches that we've been linked to would be that I,
0: I don't either but I'm just saying, if that's your argument that well he's too young, I don't think age yeah. necessarily matters so much as maturity.
1: Yeah, no, I'm totally with you. Um, and if we want to talk about McDaniel's, who, I mean, they said he's expected to go to the Colts, but we're really not sure yet. It's definitely still, the jury's still out. Um, and if we want to talk about him and his first stint. Uh, he was really young uh, when he became a head coach for the Broncos. He was 32, 33 years old. Um, and you can talk about McVay all you want, but M- McVay is an outlier. This this doesn't happen often where a 31-year-old just comes in and is fantastic. And let's not just completely shower praise on him. He had a great first season. We have no idea what's going to happen next season or the season after that. So I think, and I think a lot of teams are going to fall into this McVay kind of trap where they think they need a really young head coach who's going to completely uh, be some innovative genius. It, it just doesn't happen that often, and we see it a lot in the NFL. We've seen it over the years. So I think the times have to be wary of that. Uh, I, I think I think they are because I, yeah. I trust in John Robinson's process. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, go, John go
2: Robinson ahead. always put a huge emphasis on character. I mean, one of the things he loves is he loves seniors, he loves guys who started a lot of games without getting in trouble. You know, John Robinson isn't gonna let somebody come in after he spent They're not know, about a, to trade for
0: Robbie Anderson or Randy Gregory or someone like that. Like they they're gonna
2: spend I mean he spent the good part of his first two years establishing that these weren't the old Titans, that this was a Titans team that played disciplined football, that had disciplined players, had, you know, good character. I mean, it's just it's not you know, I think uh, maybe Jarrell Casey was the one who talked about it and who said they used to, under different coaching staffs, you know, they did defense didn't talk to offense and they didn't hang out after and all this stuff. And now, and you can say it's malarkey, but I like to think that it's not the head coach that does that; it's the general manager that brings the personalities together that gets that kind of chemistry. But you know, you can look at the offensive linemen and Mariota all going to the uh, Predators games in the postseason. I mean, you can look at uh, there's guys like uh, Logan Ryan and you know who talks about having guys over to eat eat that you know play his position. You know, it's it's a team that seems much more like a high school or college team and their connection instead of, you know, kind of cold distance that you get from some NFL teams. So I don't think that anybody he hires, no matter if they're 12, I mean, we, should, we shouldn't should assume that they're mature. That's just not what Robinson would do.
0: I think, number one, you need that to be successful, the camaraderie that the Titans have. Because if you look at the really good teams, they're not the teams where the game ends and everybody goes home. They're the teams that they bond well, they have fun. They are running around together, right? The Colts, or excuse me, the, the Broncos that won a couple years ago. I remember Vaughn Miller and Demarcus Ware were best friends, and Sanders and Demaryius Thomas were best friends, and that team just gelled really well together, and Peyton Manning was kind of the glue that held everyone together. And I think the Titans are very similar to that. But my, kind of my final thing on LaFleur, we saw what happened to Jared Goff this year. He looked like he didn't know what he was doing last year. Like he shouldn't even be on the football field. And this year, he had a Pro Bowl season. Before he got to Atlanta, after Malarkey had left Atlanta, Matt Ryan had reverted to being very, very average. And then when Mike Shanahan got there, excuse me, Kyle, Kyle Shanahan got there, he became this elite specimen at the quarterback position that put up insane numbers. Now granted he had great pieces around him, but what I'm saying is that if you want the quarterback guru, I don't know that it necessarily is Josh McDaniels. It might be Matt LaFleur.
1: Yeah. LaFleur's track record with quarterbacks is just, it is kind of second to none. Uh, I'm not sure I've ever seen something quite like it. He's had a lot of success coaching these quarterbacks and getting the best out of them um, in certain seasons, but I just don't know if you make that guy your head coach. I, I know Mariota is the priority, uh, but being a head coach sometimes is more than just than just being being a guy who, who can come in um and be a really good offensive play caller or being a really good um defensive minded coach. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with character. Um John Rem- Robinson has said it before. I don't want to harp too much on character and what type of person he is, but LaFleur in in the in the snippets I've seen of him, of him speaking to the press and and whatnot, he just comes off as kind of timid um, and pretty low key, which which at times is fine. But I just don't know if, if a lot of these veterans would, um, what, what would follow in those in the, in that type of leadership.
0: I think something that might be important too to setting a precedent of yes, we have this offensive guru as head coach, but at the same time, we're not just going to abandon the defense. If you keep Dick LeBeau or maybe even if you go out and get another defensive coordinator that's a retread and, and you make this in the draft, like if you look at what the 49ers did last year, they hired my, Kyle Shanahan, the big offensive guru, and went double defense in the first round with Solomon Thomas with and um, card. with Solomon Ruben Reuben Foster. Foster. Yeah. The yeah. the the Rams didn't have a first round draft pick, and they did go double offense to start the draft. But I don't know. That's just a theory.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, and uh, I'm guessing some people think that the Titans might go like some sort of Los Angeles Rams route by taking Lafleur, who's from the Rams. And then just keeping Dick LeBeau, um, who, like Wade Phillips, with the Rams right now, um, is a legendary defensive coordinator. So yeah. that could be something that John Robinson's kind of looking at. I can't right now.
0: That would be my preferred move for the Titans, to be completely honest. Un- unless you're hiring D. Filippo as the offensive coordinator, or excuse me, as the head coach. Which, by the way, uh, Titans fans hate to say it, but. This weekend, you're Jags fans, and you are Eagles, fans. excuse me, Vikings <laughs> fans, because if there's a Jags-Vikings Super Bowl, these head coaching interviews are going to get a lot more interesting very quickly.
1: Yeah, uh, it is going to be an interesting next week, especially if the Eagles lose, uh, because I I had I don't know how they're going to lose. De doesn't doesn't get a yeah, I think they're going to lose too, but DeFilippo is definitely going to get an interview. I'm assuming.
0: And probably McDaniels too. That wouldn't surprise me.
1: Yeah. For sure. He's not the Colts coach yet, as much as the Colts want him to be.
2: Yeah, they, they can't prevent him. Um I, I will say one thing. If you know, Luke, you want to keep Dick Lebeau around, correct?
0: <laughs> yes.
2: Okay. So who do you hire as your offensive coach? DiFilippo? LaFleur. LeFleur, okay, so you're picking LeFleur over DiFilippo. Filippo. Uh I don't know.
0: my my mine I, would be McDaniels one, LeFleur two, D Filippo three. I don't know. That's just I don't I don't know. That's
2: this is a whole debate we can have this off season on what LeBeau did right and what LeBeau did wrong and why the Titans were smart to get <laughs> rid of him in four days when they're gonna fire him. But um He's
1: not getting five.
2: Dude, as he's much a, as much as you want. LeBeau is. I, it's crazy to me that y'all think LeBeau's coming back. Like the only coach on the staff who has a chance of coming back is Russ Grimm, and that's it. The rest of them are yeah, he'll be. Grimm will be yeah. back. I mean,
1: um, Steve Warner, not our, not our be wide back. receivers coach. He's got to go. Whoever yeah, Fristin, our wide receivers
2: was a Terry Rabisky guy. Yeah, okay. they were. They were like best friends.
0: Coached him at Cleveland.
1: Bye. Taywan's going to kill it next year. So it's gorgeous. Right. Yep.
0: And real quick, before we uh, get one on the show, let's pick the championship weekend games starting in the AFC with uh, Jacksonville and New England. You know, I'm, I'm tired of watching the Patriots, and you know, though I'm supposed to hate the Jags, I would like the Jags to win just because I think they're a fun team to watch even though we have to hate them as Titans fans, but it's hard to pick against New England, especially after watching them close up last week.
1: Yeah, uh, Patriots are going to win. Uh, I, I hate the Jags. Um, I know Tom Brady's got a little bit of a hand injury now. That does kind of scare me a little bit, so it might be, might be a closer game than I initially thought it would be. Uh, but I think the Patriots are going to win. They're too good.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Patriots are going to win. That, the weird thing is, is the uh, Jaguars kind of spent the week talking about how they're not going to put Jalen Ramsey on Gronkowski, which is but stupid. That I makes mean, a lot of
0: sense. That no, would that your, would make a lot of sense if they had put him on Gronk. Yeah, bronc. yeah. He, put
2: put your physical, bigger corner who's played safety before and who kind of understands yeah. the position. Play him straight up with him and make him beat AJ Boyer on, you know, the second best guy, and yeah. then just take your lungs other places. But I like that, they do that. So, you know, congratulations to the New England Patriots.
1: Brandon Cooks is going to burn Ramsey, man. It's happening. Dude, he's Ramsey,
0: Ram- as big as Ramsey is and as athletic as he is, he's not a physical player. Like, I've seen him make business decisions against the Titans. I've seen oh, yeah. him get m- pushed down by Derrick Henry. I've seen him take cheap shots at Delaney Walker. He's not a very mm-hmm. physical As good as he is, he's not a very physical player. He doesn't love contact. Yeah. No. NFC championship, uh, Minnesota at Philadelphia. Look. I was a big Nick Foles fan in 2013 when he shocked the world and had one of the best quarterback seasons I've ever witnessed. But he's not good anymore. And aside from their (laughs) immense wealth of pass rushers on defense, I think the Eagles are an overrated team without Carson Wentz to mold everything together. And I like the Vikings' defense a lot, so I'm going to go Minnesota.
1: Yeah, so... So the Eagles got incredibly lucky against the Falcons because Steve Sarkeesian is just the worst play caller ever, uh, and they should have scored on first and goal. So the Eagles should have lost that game. Also, the Vikings are really good. I know they won uh, luckily. Yeah, I guess if you want to say it. No, it was, it was pretty luckily. Uh, yeah. But I thought the Vikings and the Saints were probably – they they might have been the two best teams in the entire NFL. Yeah. So I thought whichever team of, whichever team of those won that game was going to make it to the Super Bowl regardless. So I'm picking Vikings.
2: Yeah, it's weird because I never thought in the NFC Championship I would pick Case Keenum to be the best quarterback. (laughs) But, I mean, he is, man. He He is. I mean, Case Keenum's fun to watch. You know, everybody talks about the Jaguars being the fun team, and maybe they are. To me, the the Vikings and the Eagles are the two fun teams left in the playoffs, and luckily we get one of them in the Super Bowl. I'm going to go with the Vikings because I just – like I I like them a little more I Mm -hmm. like their top end on the defensive uh, on you know I like Everson Griffin a lot I I, I like their linebackers but it's tough I mean there it's it's like I'm watching the same team play and maybe the difference to me is that I think Thielen and Diggs are better than Aguilar and Jeffrey Jeffrey yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. and I mean and that's nothing against the Eagles because, you know, I say that, and as I say that, I remember how good Aguilar is playing this year and how Alshon's playing So it's tough. I mean, the Eagles are playing without their left tackle. The Vikings offensive line isn't that great anyway. I mean, it could easily be a 17-16 game. And if it is, you know, it, it all comes down to a two-point conversion, I, I would. I would be ecstatic. It seems like that kind of game, and I'm excited to watch it, but I'm going to go ahead and pick the uh, uh, the Eagles here just because I like Jim Schwartz. More.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I know.
2: Okay. It's hard. I, I talk to myself, <laughs> it, but I like Jim Schwartz. I want
0: him to be the head coach. You know, with that in <laughs> mind, I've got to come back my horse. All right. And now the moment you've all been waiting for, we are now going to welcome Titans now second-year receiver Taywan Taylor into the show. Hey, Taywan, how are you doing, man? What's up, Luke? How's it going, my man? Going really good. I'm sure it is a lot warmer down in California than it is down here back in Nashville.
3: Uh, man, it's a lot warmer. I, <laughs> I, I hate to say it, but I think I want to stay here for a little bit longer.
0: <laughs> so, so let's get right down to business and uh, address kind of the elephant in the room. Uh, earlier in the week, uh, the Titans and Coach Mike Malarkey mutually agreed to part ways so I kind of want to ask you mm-hmm. what your sort of first reaction was when you heard about the news, and I know that the locker room in Nashville really likes Coach Malarkey. So how do you move forward mm-hmm. as a team and as a locker room despite that?
3: Oh uh, yeah, 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 yeah. What I was saying, uh, yeah, like it kind of it, it threw me off a little bit uh, with me being a rookie, this being my first year. It was just like just having a sudden coaching change like that. It shocked me a little bit, but yeah, I was saying though, I, I feel like. Uh, all, all the guys and all our team uh we was definitely behind coach Malarkey hundred percent that was our coach and we uh we uh, we was uh all behind him and uh we was, uh had we uh, gave him all, all our support but uh but uh, like i said we we just we i feel like we are gonna stay focused as a team and i feel like we're, we're all uh we're all excited about you know uh what john robinson's doing and he's uh he's leading this new coaching search so we like i said we feel good about who who he's going to pick for our next year, coach? Because we know that John, he has the same uh, he has the same things in mind uh, as uh, as we do, uh, as the players do, and that's getting back to where we ended this year and getting farther. So, uh, so we definitely we definitely uh, excited to see what it's going to be. And, and like I said, no matter no matter whether it's offensive minded or defensive minded, coach, whatever people say, I feel we feel we all feel he's going to be the right pick, regardless. So uh, we can't we, we, we excited. We uh, we can't wait to get to work.
1: Uh, so Taiwan uh, Taiwan this is Matthias. Uh, Matias uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, your first season in the NFL uh, coming out of Western Kentucky you had two really productive uh, final two seasons caught 34 touchdowns mm-hmm. over that span uh, a bunch of you got a bunch of looks a bunch of targets in, and you were one of the best players in college uh, was it tough adjusting to the NFL uh, coming in and only getting limited opportunities after getting so many in college
3: uh, um, well, uh, yeah, when you come from, you know, when you come from that that position and, and you're in a new situation, uh, it's definitely a challenge being able to adjust and get used to it. But I think, I think it was the biggest thing for me, just, you know, staying focused and controlling what I can't control and, uh, you know, just being, just being humble about everything and just continue to, uh, just keep working, keep improving. Cause I know, like you said, the amount of snaps and stuff with my snap, uh, with me just not being, being on the field as much. That was just uh, something that was out of my control, but uh, mm-hmm. just stay. I stayed locked in the whole time and just kept motivating my uh, teammates while I wasn't out there. But when my number was called, I tried to do the best job of making my plays. And my number was called, so uh, I just tried to do a good job of that all year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Taewon, uh
2: this is Will Lomas. So you know, we've seen you run jet sweeps. We've seen you run quick passes. We've seen you run nine routes. We've seen you know, we saw what you could do in the Indianapolis game with. You know your route running. If you were an mm-hmm. offensive coordinator trying to design a game plan with you in mind, what would you like to see?
3: Uh well, um, I would definitely like to see uh, see 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 me utilize the uh, strengths that I that uh, that I, I feel are my strengths, which is like you said. Uh, you know, uh, uh, being you uh, you being playing a multi, uh, multitude of things. Uh, you know, just trying to be diverse and, like you said, uh, being good. Uh, you trying to uh, attack the defenses with the jet just sweep storm off there and then uh get into the passing game, uh running those vertical routes, some uh, in cuts, you know, some some quick hit some quick hitters like you said, some quick drive routes, uh some routes, out out routes and stuff like that. So um I I would definitely say trying to utilize those strengths uh the best the best of my ability if I was if I was a offensive coordinator, uh, you know, uh prepping me in the game plan and things like that. Sure. Kaywon, after
0: the draft, uh, we had your college head coach, Jeff Braum, on the podcast, and he talked a lot about mm-hmm. how you're a very high-character guy, uh, you take your attitude toward the game seriously, and even as a freshman at Western Kentucky, when you weren't getting many opportunities similar to your rookie year in the NFL, you were, as you said, constantly encouraging teammates, You know, uh, respecting the coaching staff. After experiencing a rookie season that I'm sure you weren't entirely uh, happy with, how do you use that attitude mm-hmm. to head into the next season, driven to get more opportunities? And why is it so important for you to be a high character guy like that?
3: Oh yeah, uh, it's definitely important. Uh, uh, I feel I feel the high character, the high character, having class about everything goes a long way, and that's how I've always been. So I just want to continue to do a good job with that, and. Uh, as far as uh, you know, my playing time goes. Like I said, I just want to uh, I want to come in this offseason, attack this offseason, the best of my ability, because uh, I know what I need to improve on this offseason and get better at. So I want to make sure I do those things, and then come come uh, OTAs and come come time for uh, training camp. Uh, I should I should be ready to go by my preparation this offseason, and uh, like like I said, just staying locked in and uh, controlling what I can control, making my uh, making my plays when my numbers call. So. I definitely look forward to uh, getting better this offseason. Uh, expecting, you know, expecting my role to increase uh, this coming up year.
1: So, uh, with the Titans having a, a vacancy at the head coaching position now, uh, they've already interviewed three candidates. Two of them are defensive-minded uh, coaches, uh, and one of them is mm-hmm. uh, kind of a quarterback coach and, and more offensive. Um, in personally, does it matter to you whether the incoming head coach? Uh, is an offensive guy or a defensive guy? Uh, does it inspire more confidence in you if it is an offensive guy who's come from from backgrounds such as wide receiver coaching and stuff like that?
3: Uh, well, in my opinion, I think I think whoever we get is going to be great great for the job. I think whoever we get is going to uh, is going to be uh, determined to come in and, um, and help 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 uh, help this team bid off our success this past year. Uh uh we uh we all know about the game and stuff and our last our last playoff game came up short. But uh we, we all learned from that, all the players and I, I think all of us uh we know what we need to work on as a whole team and like I said, we're gonna come in and uh try to do that. And uh, I think all the guys I, I I believe that we all excited about uh who, who we're going to get. Uh no uh whether it's a defensive minded coach. Offensive man, uh, we feel like whoever it is is going to be a great pick because we know our general manager John is going to do a great job in finding that guy that's that's right for all of us. So we uh, we just looking forward to it and we're ready to uh, we're ready to find out who this is going to be.
2: Uh, you weren't with the Titans last year, obviously, because you know you were in college. But they they had some of the defensive backs that were not great. You know, this year it looks a lot better. Mm-hmm. Logan Ryan, Adore Jackson, Kevin Byard. If you had to pick one mm-hmm. of those to go up with in practice that you think you could routinely beat, which one would you choose?
3: <laughs> routinely? Ah dang. Hey, uh, I don't think you can routinely beat any of them. Oh come on. But uh oh yeah but oh yeah I like oh yeah but if we in, if I'm in a room with them three, yeah I'm picking myself all day. They know that you can tell them I say that <laughs> Hey Well but, I've
2: uh, seen you run routes. But, I, I
3: know you can run routes. <laughs> don't tell me that did yeah, yeah. already know my man deal. but but yeah, those guys, all those guys, they they compete. They, we, I love competing with them in practice. But uh, I, I definitely love going against the door. He, Dory, he's a he's a he's a he's a lead out there. He's fast. He's a playmaker. He's an athlete. So he challenges up. He challenges all the receivers every time we uh, we go up against him. Because like like I said, he, he he's smart. He's uh he's patient with his technique. And like I said, he's an athlete. He can run with anybody. So uh, a Dory, it's definitely it's definitely fun going up against uh, going up against him. K.B. and Logan as well too. Got
0: you. I want to ask you a question that I've asked to Delaney Walker before, just because I want to see what your answer is a a lot during coach Mm -hmm. Malarkey's tenure with your team. We heard a lot of criticism about depth on routes and receivers running route precision. So I want to hear from you, someone Mm -hmm. that does that stuff when he is saying that the receivers depth isn't right and their route running isn't precise enough. What in football technical Mm -hmm. terms, get as deep as you want. What exactly is he saying?
3: Yeah, well, he's 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 mainly saying uh, as far as the depth. He's mainly saying how deep the routes to be. You know, we have different. We have certain routes that that uh, we got to get to eight yards. We have certain routes that we got to get to twelve yards, fourteen yards, sixteen yards. So that's what he means by the depth. So sometimes you know, because sometimes in the game the things don't always play out how they how they may look on the paper, and y'all know that. Um, so like like for example, if, if we're in a game and you know Marcus is getting pressure. Uh, we may run a curl route, which is designated to be at 12 yards. But, you know, uh, with him getting the pressure, we might run it at eight to speed up, you know, run it to eight yards. And, you know, but – and then that'll be like one of the little things that Coach Malarkey, he he, uh, he coaches us up on is still try to get your depth even though, you know, we're getting the blitz. Still ch- so he, he's big on us with that. And then uh, just the uh, route precision, like you said, just running the right routes, uh, curl route, being having a good technique at the top, don't raise up, stay low, go out of your brakes so you can get in and out your routes fast. Uh, but, yeah, he's he's big on all that uh, just because just cause Coach, he was big on all that just because he wanted us to uh, be the best res- receivers we could be. So, uh, yeah, I credit him for that, for pushing us, definitely pushing me my first year. And, like I said, helping me become uh, better and get better as a receiver and a football player.
0: Taywan, we thank you so much for your time. We're already looking forward to August when we get to see you back at St. Thomas Sports Park. Good luck going into your sophomore season and enjoy the rest of your time in California.
3: I appreciate
1: it. I appreciate it. Thank you, Taywan. Thanks,
0: Taywan. You can follow Taewon on Twitter at silentgrind2. Again, we are very thankful to Panini for making this interview happen. If you want your a chance at getting one of these cards that Taewon Taylor is signing this week, or not just Taewon Taylor, again, Alvin Kamara is down there signing these things too, along with several other rookies, go to store.paniniamerica.net. Uh, that's going to wrap us up. We will be back after the Titans hire a coach, unless we get reached out to for another interview opportunity. <laughs> um, before then uh, we'll be back after the Titans wrap up their coaching search to talk about that and preview the off season. Uh, until then for Matias Water, Will Lomas I'm Luke Warsham. thank you for listening to the Titan Size Podcast we will see everyone in a few weeks
3: what's so special about
0: Hero Bread soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas these ultra low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar fewer calories and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health shop now at Hero.co